Running a pet business is no walk in the park. I've been there, done that, and sure have the campfire stories to prove it. That's why Pet Boss Nation created Camp Pet Boss, where you can relax at a beautiful lake, refuel your leadership confidence with our in-person activities, and reignite your passion for the pet business of your dreams with your pet industry peers and trusted experts. Camp Pet Boss is a -a one-of-a-kind business retreat that mixes conference learning sessions and camp-like activities for pet professionals and their dogs. When was the last time that you got away from your business, unplugged from the chaos, and reconnected with your inner entrepreneurial spirit? And I hope that you heard me, that your furry best friend could be there too. Get ready for the most amazing and unique in-person adventure for pet business owners and their dogs happening this summer in Lake Delton, Wisconsin, August 27th through the 30th of 2024. Tickets will sell out and one building is already booked solid. So I want you to hit pause on this podcast and visit camppetboss.com right now to make sure that you have a room reserved. Your ticket price includes all food, lodging, and seminars. Need another reason to secure your ticket early? How about a massive discount of savings of $850 off your ticket? That's right, early bird pricing is happening right now, but not for much longer. And I can't wait to hang out with you at camp this summer and share all those juicy pet boss stories around the campfire. Today, you get to meet my friend, Catherine Cruz, a proud Chicagoan since 1999, and she has crafted a unique journey, just blending her love of pets for that vibrant city that I used to also have a doggy daycare in. She holds a double major in history and art from the University of Arkansas, which has fueled her creative spirit and her love of culture. Catherine just needed to tap into being an entrepreneur. And so even after a decade of being in the metal industry, that's when she turned her passion of volunteering for animals into an actual business, a pet care hub called Canine Cruise. They officially opened their doors back in 2010. And so she's been in this industry for a while. She's still growing and expanding and adding to her team and trying new revenue streams. And she's going to share all of it with you on today's episode. Catherine is somebody who's deeply invested in her neighborhoods and in the businesses that she's involved in. She actively participates in local community groups, and she loves collaborating with fellow small business owners. She's one of the strongest female entrepreneurs I know in the pet care space, and I'm excited for her to share her words of wisdom with you today, specifically around how you can build leaders and improve your entire customer experience when you focus on your employees. Welcome to the Boss Your Business podcast, the show for the local pet business owner. If you have a physical building, carry inventory, have a team, or dream of having one someday, then this podcast is for you. You'll hear honest conversations from pet pros work in the streets of Main Street, where dog business is big business. I'm your show host, Candace Daniolo, the founder of Pet Boss Nation and a pet business coach. I've started, scaled, and sold three successful pet businesses and now help mentor thousands of pet professionals to see success faster together. I'm sharing my favorite business tips with you mixed with the latest secrets of what's working now, especially in this challenging world. So if you're a pet supply store, grooming salon, dog daycare, boarding facility, pet sitter, dog trainer, or really anyone covered in fur, 
Let's get started. Well, Catherine, a great big welcome to the Boss Your Business podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm very excited to be here. I love when I get an opportunity to chat with some old Chicago friends and (laughs) we both had doggy daycares in Chicago. Actually, you still have yours. I had mine there too. Tell everybody Mm -hmm. about Canine Cruise and where you're located. Well, my location is on like the near Northwest side. So I'm considered Humboldt Park. So West Bucktown and Logan Square. So I've been there 14 years. 14 years. Now, did you think you'd end up with a doggy daycare? No, I sold steel. <laughs> I, I worked in the metal industry and I was pretty, I was a decade into that career, really liked what I did and just volunteered with animals. I've always had animals and always volunteered with them. So I always knew I would have animals in my world. I just didn't know to this extent. Yeah, to the extent. And so you've had a lot of previous experiences that really helped kind of probably set you up for success in the business that you have now. Well, of course, I think the thing I think of most is just always my involvement in networking groups or, you know, just associations. I belong to the Association of Women in the Metal Industry back in the day. And that was a one, I think I give a lot of credit to that association for giving me my leadership skills Uh and developing those leadership skills in order to open my business. So for me, it's always be participating in any organization I can that's going to help support my goals. Right. And today we're talking a lot about how you've structured your team and built that team. But just to touch on real quick, that getting involved in your community and networking and being part of things. I mean, when I had my uh, business in Chicago, I always remembered how involved you were in the street fest and the fashion show, the doggy fashion shows and very involved in your local community. Can you tell us more? Oh, I mean, it's so ridiculous and fun all at the same time. It came from my volunteering. I used to volunteer at Westfest and I would help wash dogs for money. And so what went through my volunteer work is what led to owning my business. And so that just kind of, when the person that was running it decided to step down, they offered it to me. Then that got me more involved in that chamber, which that got me more involved in another chamber. And then because I believe in the arts and the music scene of Chicago, I, I like to be on the committees to run the festivals and be involved. So not only can we do fun dog stuff or ridiculous dog stuff that we can also make it safe for dogs or really focus on what it's about, which may be the music and art and have people keep their dogs at home if it's a very busy, hot, you know, like space. So Westfest is great. It allows us the shade on a side street and we get to raise a lot of money for rescues and have very dog and and cat specific booths. And then the dog fashion shows at Do Division is just as ridiculous as it sounds and so much work, but just really a lot of fun. And then it just also shows you like there's so much industry out there. Like I don't really carry a lot of clothing for dogs in my business, but there's just so much out there. And even like bespoke couture dog outfits, which is always fun to highlight and really helps open up the doors for a lot of really small or micro small businesses, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. So You are involved in your community and you also have done a lot in your um, own professional development and personal life and experiences and travel. And you've really gone from a business owner who is is chained to their storefront to I feel like this free bird who's just like living and loving life. Can you walk us through the, the entrepreneurial journey of what it was like when you first started to how, what it looks like now as running your pet business? 
I mean, 14 years is a long time, but yeah, when I first started, it was a grind. I mean, it was, when I say 70 hour work weeks, I mean, legitimately, I was there seven, you know, 6.30 in the morning till eight o'clock at night. I would sometimes have to come back and let out dogs around 10 o'clock at night. I, it was nonstop. I worked seven days a week. I was in it over my skis a lot of times, really just putting the grind in and the time to build it to what I could. I think my biggest struggle was cash flow. I always ran a profitable, successful business. I just couldn't get in front of my cash flow. I never properly funded my business to start off, not in a way that I should have in hindsight. And I made a lot of mistakes. And so those mistakes were learning experiences, but also a way my, my hustle and my sales experience was going to really make sure that I was going to make it successful simply because the grind would never stop with me. I was always in it, making it happen. That was transitioning well. And then COVID happened. We're... Chicago is an incredibly saturated market. So we have a lot of competition. There's a lot of opportunity for small businesses, but there's also a lot of competition. So we are densely populated, but there are just all kinds of options. And every and I like that because I think there's a lot of solutions for pets. I want the best place for the dog in the end. So when we started really focusing on what our business was going to be, that started changing how we were going to run things and how we're going to set up our, our leadership we're also a two-story facility in an urban environment. So it's a unique scenario that we've always had to work around. It's not ideal. I don't recommend building a two-story facility if you don't have to. Those unique challenges have always created a level of expense that we would have to have that maybe a different design or a different structure wouldn't have, but it's always been, so we make it work. COVID was a reset. So when I say I'm living my best life now, it's because I went through some really, really dark times during COVID. It was hard. I, I, there's no other way to explain it. Some, some primal scream days, some real fear that I actually didn't think my business was going to survive. My cash flow was struggling. My savings wasn't huge. And that to stop a train of the level of size my business is, you know, I, had, I had 27 employees at that time, to stop the export of money mm -hmm. from my accounts was slow and the income stopped real quick with COVID. So it was definitely um, some dark, dark times. So when I came out of that, my main thing was how will I never be in that again? And I had just started working with a new business coach before that. So when I say I've invested in me, I've invested in business coaches and development and conferences and education I can to be the best leader I can. And that's taken time to develop over the years. And also, I think when you age, you you realize I don't sweat the small stuff as much or things used to keep me up and I would just be so worried. I have dealt with it for so many years and have built such a great team that it doesn't immediately affect me. It, mm -hmm. it, my business isn't me. It's a business. My business isn't me. <laughs> that's right. And so... That you probably went through, it sounds like you went through a lot of deep reflection during those COVID years and invested in your growth and re-looking at your business and how can, what is your main income stream survive and continue to thrive and rebuild, right? Yeah. And, and so, so, and I think yeah. the other thing that you learned too, is that um, we don't have to be everything to everyone. And we really thin the herd, so to speak. We really honed down our business in a way that allowed us to focus on what we were good at and what was the most profitable. We are still doing that. We're, <laughs> I'm actually eliminating one of my service uh, 
fields as we speak. So because it's just not, it's not serving us any longer. And we, I cannot run a service area that is losing money. That would not, that as a business owner, that's not fiscally responsible. So I won't continue to do it. And that's, those are the, those are the things I've really developed since COVID and not apologizing for it. It's, we cannot fit every person's needs. But you found a way to fill your your needs, your personal needs outside of the business. You've done some amazing things, gone on some great trips. Can you tell us about that? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I, I did a, a trip to Alaska with other small business owners recently. And I didn't know anyone when I went there. And I'm not really a camper or haven't been since, you know, the 90s. So, yeah, it was definitely inspiring and challenging, but also like pushing through fear. I think as business owners, we do a lot of fear, but you get into habits and you get into ritualistic elements of what you do. So it was really nice to step outside of my comfort zone, create some new brain synapses. I think I (laughs) opened up my brain a lot more, got some major fresh air and really tested me personally, but also made some of the best connections through other small business owners, which I always wholly believe in. You never, owning a small business can be very isolating, especially during tumultuous times. And you don't really, everyone that you work around works for you. So having peers or colleagues is tough in your business. So you really have to look outside. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so for you to be able to take those kinds of that trip to Alaska and to, I think probably really have been able to, to take any time away from the business and continue to grow it is, is based on the team that you've built the team that you have now. So what does your internal team look like? Can you give us a quick org chart? You have a manager or how, you know, t- tell us about what the makeup at canine cruise looks like. Yes. So I have probably the heaviest leadership team that I've had in quite some time or ever, maybe. So I have a general manager. Obviously that title is pretty self-explanatory. Been with me eight years. Mm-hmm. My, we have, what is our HR admin um, manager? And that title has recently changed. And that is, uh, she's been with me eight years as well. They were hired, like, I think three months apart. And they both came up through as a handler. Then I have my um, lobby manager, and they are celebrating their, they just celebrated their three-year anniversary. And then we have our customer service rep. Now they don't actually truly manage anyone, but they've also been with me. I think they're almost five years or six years. Oh, I should know that. I'm going to feel bad, <laughs> but been there a long time. And then we also created what's called shift leads. So we have three shift leads in our handler uh, section. We have a weekend shift lead. So more or less for like our kennels or overnight care. And then we have a lobby shift lead right now. We'll probably eventually have another shift lead. And what this allowed us is without putting them in management roles, but they're still in leadership roles, working a shift and then doing extra reporting. So fairly heavy for, I think I'm around 28 employees right now, maybe kind of heavy leadership on my end. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And what I want to point out here is that you're really using that term leadership team when you're describing your employees. So how, what, what, can you walk us through the journey of what that's like in in building a team like that? (laughs) Wow. I think a lot of errors, but I, I think for me, how I've always built my teams is through recognizing strengths and helping develop those. The other way that I also really think that this leadership team came together is what is it that we need? And then how do we seek the training or the developing the skill sets for that role? So before a lot of times I was like, how can we make this person fit in the role? And now we like, what is this role and how do we give this person additional training in order to really fulfill this role? They first and foremost have to have some of the basic characteristics that we're looking for or skill set in it. 
But we really had to define the position. We had to create all of the job descriptions mm-hmm. for it. And then we had to, on top of that, we created what criteria or skill set would these people possess that you, you think they would need in order to do well at this role. And then we also post all of them internally. Everyone in our company has the opportunity to apply to our role, our open positions, first and foremost. Some of them have criteria. You have to work there for six months or a year on some of these roles. Shift leads, we kept pretty simple and we opened that up and people that I didn't think would have, I'd never, we've always like, here's who we want to put this role. And we literally now open it up and interview them as if they were a new employee for that role. And it's been great. I think who we've moved into especially shift leads have really opened our eyes because some of these positions are uh, more introverted personality types that still have leadership qualities and as an outward external extroverted salesperson i didn't always recognize that that's been very helpful yeah well it's really good hr practice from like a legal standpoint to really allow your internal uh, employees in the organization to interview for these jobs but I will tell you. That's why our assistant manager is now HR. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you know, really, once you get to a certain size, you really need to de- develop, spend more time developing your, your human resources. Right. Human resources. Yes. This process you've walked us through, I'm sure did not happen overnight either. And probably even within a one month. When I meet with business owners and we talk about, do you have a job description or maybe even exercise of having to look at what behaviors would this person kind of have? What skills do they need to have to like craft who that ideal avatar is in that role? Most businesses do not have it. And they are really struggling to find the time to actually sit down and, and go through this process. So as we talk about building your leadership team and what that journey was like, I mean, can you really like paint the true picture for us here? If someone's, yeah. uh, cause it's not just a snap of your fingers. I think in order to develop our leadership, it started way back with developing our procedures. We we couldn't ask people to do anything we wanted done a certain way if we didn't have a procedure for us. So we in 2018 and 2019, we spent six months developing, I don't know, 300 plus procedures at that point in time. Wow. And it was an intense process. And it took a long time. We still struggle with how to access it and store it, you know, so for the mm-hmm. newer staff because we, we use Google Docs. And so yeah. it doesn't really, it's not, unless you know what you're looking for, it's hard to find it. So that's a little bit of our struggle on our procedures. But once we started getting the structure of that and what works and what communication styles work with people, then we really expanded. We've always had job descriptions, but I feel like my job descriptions were bland. Like I couldn't hold people accountable if they weren't doing a task. So we have job descriptions and then we have responsibilities, roles and responsibilities. So the job description is kind of like what you post to hiring. The roles and responsibilities where you really start uh, interviewing, this gets down to daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly tasks, things like that. And so we, it's really broken down and we used a lot of Pet Boss Nation stuff to take that next step. So we had the basic structure, but it had to get, it had to get deeper. If I was going to try to transition out of working the day to day, I had to make sure that it didn't require me to spearhead the stuff that needed to be done weekly, quarterly, annually. It had to be part of their checklist to be able to reference. And you guys have some really great documents on that. Well, thank <laughs> you. Really Thanks so much. <laughs> I'm really proud of what we've built here of resources oh, for pet professionals. And it's true because some of these things, they do, you know, certain things happen in every business and then you can go in and the things that we create, they're editable. So you can make them, make them, uh, how you need to for your businesses. Speaking of Google Docs and Google Sheets, right? <laughs> we, we live off of that too at Pet Boss Nation. So I'm curious, what is it that you look for in 
a leader. So now let's go to that management position and managing a doggy daycare or managing even a retail store. What are some leadership qualities in your eyes? Oh, for me, especially if you're going into true like management, general management, you're going to be into lobby manager. I mean, communication, like you have to be able to communicate and you have to be able to do it in a timely manner in a way that you're going to be heard. And so that can be situational. So our, and so being adaptable and being open to, you know, that negative word criticism or feedback, however you want to, however you want to phrase it. So those are some of the qualities that I look for in leaders. The other thing is not my strength, the ability to listen. So how well do they hear their team? Because yes, there's a lot of tasks to do and there's a lot of time management that needs to happen. Those are like the, the hard skills maybe, but some of the soft skills I think are subtle. And that's where, I mean, luckily most of my team have, have built over years. It's, I, I have not hired directly into a leadership role from the outside. I probably wouldn't at this stage. I would create mediate or like median roles until I could build or develop someone. So that would probably happen. That's what we've done with shift leads. We've got people that we see that are, that we want to find what our next potential leaders are and uh, start developing them now. And mm -hmm. they may not be ready for managing multiple people, but they're ready for managing the shifts and going on what's in the communication. But yeah. Yeah. So a lot of listening skills and then also just the ability to summarize. <laughs> I need you. I don't need to know every task you did. I just need you to sum it up and give us an update of any pertinent information so that if we're not there, we know enough to, to be aware of any challenges that may be arising. But we've created so many systems in place that their job is really just to make sure everyone's staying on task. Yeah. Like, the systems are operating. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I love that what you said there about almost thinking of like, what would be that potential pathway to that top manager role? So again, I meet a lot of pet professionals that are in, in the day-to-day -day and in the club world and that are listeners here who know that that the a way that they could start to either exit their own companies or get more time off or feel let feel less pressure on them would be if they had that manager. But if they look at their current team, that team just isn't quite ready to step up yet. And so what you've said there is you can, I think as owners, we can think about, well, what would be some subcategories that, that that manager would need to be in charge of? Could we make some shift leads in that area, kind of put people in and see how they perform and create that pathway of absorbing those skills and learning those skills as they go up? I always thought about what could I take off of my desk that I could delegate to somebody else? What is it that I do on a regular basis when I was in the lobby? Because a lot of in the lobby is customers just wanted to talk to me as the owner. They wanted to chat with me and I, and I love my customers and I'm chatty. So, but I wasn't getting things done. So how can, what was it that I needed to get done when I was chatting to these customers that somebody could do? So once I started kind of identifying those tasks, then I started figuring out like, we can make this, we can make this a, a role. We started small with some things. We, we used to have a lead lobby and a lead handler. And then when we didn't know, are we one person can't cover the amount of hours we're open. Yeah. So then we started creating shift leads because that allowed uh, more flexibility. And then we could have multiple shift leads at a, at a, you know, maybe a lower hourly rate. And then we, so then they started creating these tiers of, of advancement opportunities, which was also great. We also started cross-training a lot of our staff. So 
you could cross train and from handler to lobby, lobby to handler. Now we have dog training. And so you can look into, we've got a, you know, so we had to, what is the path for that? What does it look like? And for cross training, we like, there's not a whole lot of extra money involved in it, but it is flexibility and scheduling. And also we think it helps create longevity in, in our staff because they get a change of day, a change of pace. Sometimes being in a group of dogs all day is a lot. So sometimes dealing with the customers all day is a lot. You want to make sure that you have that opportunity to change your day. And I think that's what a lot of young people are really looking for. The idea of doing the same thing every day, day in, day out, I think would probably be a nightmare for most of my staff. (laughs) And then we had conversations. We ask our staff, you know, what is it that they like or wish they had more communication? And we have staff meetings every other month. We, and then our leadership is responsible for having one-on-ones in between those staff meetings with each of their employees and they, and they cross over. So say you're a lobby manager, you still, you're still going to have one-on-ones with handlers. And so Mm -hmm. we want, we want that communication to happen. And then the best thing I ever did was create the customer service rep position. Yeah. I want to hear, what does that person do? They answer the phones and emails Monday through Friday from 10 to four. They oh, handle all wow. Our- yes. That takes that all off of that front desk check-in person, huh? Mm-hmm. A lot of people call it a reservation specialist. We call it a customer service rep, okay. mainly because they're onboarding all our new clients. They're um, directing our lobby staff on. So our lobby staff are responsible for the, the customer directly in front of them. And then any ancillary communication that's like, so updates and report cards and things like that. The customer service rep also directs like what updates we should be doing, pup dates, we call them, and then little mini report cards. And then anything that's coming in. And then we have all kinds of systems in place for disciplinary. Say there was an incident, we have incident reports. It's an automated form. And then we have code reds, which is an opportunity for improvement. And so (laughs) we have those forms and um, they're automatic. And I learned those from other daycares and other systems. Mm -hmm. And then our management's in charge of making sure that those are followed up on. So it literally improves that customer experience where you don't have four people answering an email, trying to get someone in, especially a new person. You, you really want one person handling all that. So that's been expensive in the best way. Yeah. That was a big yeah. leap. Right. Yeah. Well, you've invested a lot in your company's processes and procedure. You've invested a lot in your team's training and education. So you've put a lot of emphasis on building a strong team and, and, and building up your employees. Why do you believe that focusing on employees is really the key to success in a pet business? Well, for me, the proof's in the pudding. I mean, I see it. If my staff are happy and they feel valued and they are present, that translates directly to the customer experience and also the dogs in our care. They literally care. I, I And I can, you know, everyone, oh, I love dogs. Yeah, great. Everyone loves dogs. So, well, not everyone, but you know, that's a, that's the right. That's usually why they apply. That's like the first thing they say. Okay. I love dogs. So that's like a bare minimum for what we do, but how much they care and channeling how they care into data and into better communication is, is amazing. And then just watching how they treat our customers and the dogs in their care and in are open to, Hey, we're going to change how we do this because this is going to be a better way. They're involved in that process. They're involved in the communication and they're involved in the solutions. And that just really translates to, they are invested in the best care that they can provide. And that's so In a competitive market, making sure that your staff are the best they can be is the most important thing to ensure that they're going to take care of your business when you're not there. I trust them, but I track what they're doing. And that's a huge, 
a lot of a lot of owners don't trust that their staff can do it the way that I do it. And no, they can't. I'm twice their age. I have twice as much experience than they do. So they're never going to, and they're, and it's not, their name isn't in the business like mine is. They're never going to do it the way I do, but they're pretty darn close. And they may do it better in some ways because they have different strengths than I have. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really where I had to let go of the control. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Catherine, that's been, that's just so insightful. Everything you've shared today with us. And I know that this team has allowed you then to expand into other interesting services and revenue opportunities. And I know that that's, you said you're closing down one thing, but that's not stopping you from still growing your business. Can you tell us more about these areas that you have now explored? Oh gosh, it's so exciting. So we took a third of our lobby and took away some of the retail and turned it into Kitty Cruise. And we did that very at the very end of last year, we started the project. It took a little bit longer to build out our custom cat towers that we have, but yeah, it's amazing. And also for me, it's another revenue stream with not a whole lot of extra expenses. Once the build out is complete, it's kind of the most zen space in our building. Uh-huh. It's so quiet. And also my customer service rep now has her own office. She works in, her name's Kat and she works in Kitty Cruise. No way. So it, uh, <laughs> it, listen, it was supposed to happen. That's how it happened. Yeah. But um, a lot of my staff are cat people and I'm allergic and slightly afraid of cats. I grew up with them, but I respect them in a way that I keep my distance. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I would never have done that if I didn't have a strong team. There's no way right. I, if, if it wasn't, if I didn't feel that I could step in and solve the problem at any given time, then I wasn't willing to participate in it as an opportunity, right? So how could you do that if you didn't have a strong team? So mm-hmm. building a strong team, building people that I'm like, listen, if there's a problem, I'm not the one that's going to solve it. This is going to have to be you really opened my eyes that, okay, we can do this. And yeah. it's going great. We have met and exceeded all our goals on it. And it's a slow growing business. There's surprisingly though, not a lot of catboarding in the city. So yeah, I was going to say, because um, at, Kitty, at Kitty Cruise, you're offering cat boarding. Do you do cat mm-hmm. daycare as well? Not really, because cats aren't social like <laughs> yeah. that. But we do have a few clients that have used us in kind of a day-to-day manner yeah. because maybe they're showing their house or something's going on. Okay. And cat, cats don't like strangers in their space yeah. a lot of times. So they can come. And they're um, like five-foot-tall towers with four different areas custom. So it's a really good experience as best can be from a cat going from an open space into a somewhat of an enclosure. And then we have a bunch of tiered add-ons where they can have playtime and window time. And we've got, it's just a really cool space. And so, and then there's always someone in there during the day so they can have lap time if that's their preference or they can play in the window if they want. So it works out really nice. And our staff love it. They, it's like a lot of them oh, go in there to take their break because they're just yeah. like, they want to hang out with the cat. Dog, and dog daycares, that's high energy, high noise, high mess. Mm-hmm. I mean, lots of lots of things are happening inside the the dog play areas that, yeah, when it's time for the employees to take a break, I, I, I'm i sure they love heading over to Kitty Cruise. Yeah. Like, and so that, that led us to Mindful Day School and then our day school training. So Mindful Day School is, um, we have extra space. So it's a program that we worked on, I come from the rescue background of volunteering and I've dealt with a lot of dogs that were selective or reactive. And so I just, I see people struggling. It's, it can be very hard, especially in such a densely populated city to have a dog that doesn't like other dogs or it can be very stressful. So I, we've created like a a one-on-one curated activity-based program 
called Mindful Day School where they can come uh, two days a week. They pay, you know, it's a little bit higher rate because it is one-on-one care, but the dog gets all this enrichment time. They can have treadmill time. They can have physical fitness, just games, fun, and then some basic manners training. So it's been really life-changing for the dogs that participate in it and their parents, I think more so because the dogs are thriving and there's no intention for us to ever integrate these dogs into our playgroups. That's not how this is structured. That's where, so we started that in the spring. It's been very successful. And then we started day school training in October. That training was a a lane I was never going to go in. I'm not the most patient when it comes to those components. I can train people, but the dog part, I just get, I think I get bored. (laughs) My attention span (laughs) is diverted. And so I just never tried it. I've always stayed in my lane. I've had great relationships with some amazing dog training companies in the city. And so I just wasn't going to dip my toe into that pool, but we just had clients asking, they want our help. They need our help. They can't get in. They're overworked. They just can't, they want a dog, but they're struggling with how to support this dog in the best way possible. And so we started our day school training program and we'll eventually be expanded into group classes. But for now it's just Monday, Wednesday, and Friday six-week classes and we start with basic manners and then so it's basic fundamentals puppy fundamentals and continued fundamentals and it's been a lot of fun but just really keeping it simple and really developing our trainers and taking our time to get them to the pace they need to because we are building it from the ground up and so I expect we will make a few mistakes but in the most part we're here to provide the best opportunity for our pet parents that we're going to, we want, if if they're asking for it and we can make it happen and it's going to be a profit margin for, for as a business owner, that has to happen. And it's also taking a a space that wasn't earning money. It was just a 1200 square foot room. We weren't using, it seems silly. Yeah. You needed to jump on an opportunity in there for sure. (laughs) It's in the very back of our building. So it's hard, it's hard to access. So Mm -hmm. it can't be used for anything else, but it was like, all right. We, how do we make this space work for us? And it's and the and my team really developed it. Our trainers developed this pretty much on their own. I mean, I'm guiding it. I'm giving them deadlines, and they're hitting it. And these are people that have probably never developed something like this in their lives. So that's been very, very cool to watch. Your leaders just develop even more skill set and really just do such an amazing job. They're really killing it right now. I love watching them. Wow. I mean, really talk about like how full circle you've come in your entrepreneurial journey to, to go from doing it all yourself to then even to express that last statement of my team has developed this new revenue stream and it was a lot, a lot of their input on it and that you're having fun witnessing their ahas and their professional growth. Congratulations to you, Catherine, for that. That's really cool. No, thank you. Yeah, it's fun. Now, so you've invested in yourself and you've invested in team and you're investing on the doggy education, the dog's education with this mindful dog school. And (laughs) and one of the other programs that you've recently joined and participate in is our Pet Boss Mastermind. And speaking from building something from the ground up, we, we had been working with so many of our Pet Boss Club members who have been with us for years and really wanting now a new experience of, of what it could be like to really bond and connect and learn from other like-minded business owners in a more intimate setting. And so we kicked that off this summer. You joined us in the mastermind. It's a virtual, right? We meet virtually and we get some one-on-one time together. I'd love to hear of what your experience has been like so far and why being in a mastermind is important to you. Well, I, I chose it because first of all, I've known you for a long time and I trust what you're going to build. I've been in part of masterminds in the past, uh, a couple through my local chamber 
And they were great. Uh, obviously, COVID changed how we would meet. What I love the most about Pet Boss Nation is that we are all in some kind of pet business. So the Mastermind program really kind of takes a deeper dive into things. It also makes you carve out that time. If you are trying to move your business into the next level, you're trying to level up in whatever phase that may be, whether it's an exit strategy or some specific growth plan, there's someone in this smaller group that has some experience or your team starts delving into the research or uh, templates that we can use to help further growth. And like I said, owning your own business can be very isolating. So it's nice to have another connection through other small business owners across the nation that really get it, understand your strengths and weaknesses. And for me, because I'm a little further along on some of it, there are some people that have been in there, but in, as far as exiting the business, I'm, I have a lot, I feel like I have a lot to give. But whenever, whenever you're in a situation where you are volunteering, not volunteering, whenever you're participating in a group, you always get so much back. And so the, the, the key is, how do you carve out the time and choose the programs that provide the most value? And for me, learning through Pet Boss Nation allowed me to see what I, I knew the mastermind group would be. I see the experience of people that I'm going to continue to take with me. And then for me, I'm working on what's my next chapter, right? I, I, I still will always be part of my business. I want to make sure it runs forever. I'm not, I have no intention of selling it at the moment. Not that I could, but for now, I want to keep it. I want to develop my management. I want them to run it fully and me just be the driver every once in a while to check in. Mm -hmm. But I'm looking to see what my next role is. Where's my next future endeavor and see uh, what that is. And I know uh, the mastermind will help me find that. Yeah, I, I'm glad that you said that because one of our upcoming guests is another mastermind member, Kevin from Barkfield Road, and he ended up buying a gym, not a dog gym, but a human gym and joined a gym mastermind for gym business owners. And through that mastermind, they were exploring their profit and losses and really getting diving into the finances and then shared that he should invest in other types of businesses. And so that's kind of how he fell into the pet industry by buying a pet retail store from somebody who was ready to retire. And so he got into that. And now he's also in the mastermind as well. But I, I bring that up because one, he'll be on a future podcast here very soon, but also to your point of when you join groups of people who are willing to give and willing to share their experiences and exploring just so what life can be like on a different level. I really, that's what I feel like from my perspective, what a mastermind, when you're really coming together, you're open to doing, you're open to sharing, you're open to receiving. And, and so to your, to what you were saying there is it's like, you come to these things to go, okay, well, how, what might be next? And can this experience help move me, get, get me into a place of movement? Right. Because right. you and I had a one-on-one -on -one and you were like, I don't know. You're thinking about this. I've been thinking about this. And I was like, just do it. <laughs> just do it. Make the decision. That's our job. That's right. <laughs> All right. For our listeners, our pet boss mastermind, you can apply to be in the mastermind. You'll hear more details about that soon. And of course, to learn more about it, you can always visit petboss.com and see if we are currently taking applications or not. If you're listening to this live, we are opening up applications in the month of December, 2023. So keep an eye out for those. And maybe you'll get a chance to hang out with Catherine in a Zoom room. <laughs> just, just do it. <laughs> so we'll end with the question I love to ask everybody. Catherine, what does boss in your business mean to you? 
Bossing my business means not working in it every day. I love what I do. And so it's hard not to want to go in, but bossing my business is letting my team do the, the great work that they can do. And that's been a lot of fun. I love it. I love it. Catherine, thank you so much for being here today and sharing so much with our audience. Some takeaways that I wrote down were that in the beginning, you didn't properly fund your business. I mean, that <laughs> we could have a whole other podcast episode on that one, <laughs> that it was good to get out of your business and take that Alaskan trip because you needed some new brain snaps. So what is that? I mean, that could be as simple as like taking, going out for a walk, going for a brisk walk and getting your oxygen flowing and your heartbeat pumping. What else did you say? You said also that you trust your team, but that you track what they do and that will help continue to to build that level of trust. Catherine, seriously, you have shared so many. I think those are just a few of the things I wrote down. So thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Wow, we surpassed 75,000 downloads of this podcast. I just can't believe it. So thank you so much for tuning in every week and for being part of the show. It would mean the world to me if we got to 80,000. Could you imagine? And then, oh my gosh, all the way to 100,000? My mind would be blown. So to do that, I need your help though. So make sure that you subscribe to the podcast in case you haven't done that. Plus, I would love for you to tell other pet professionals about the amazing resources and ideas and strategies and tips and stories that myself and our clients and the people that we feature bring to you every single week. Okay. So recommend this show to your fellow pet industry professionals, have them visit petboss.com forward slash podcast, and they'll find all the old episodes and exactly how to connect with us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It really means so much to me that you choose this podcast as part of your business education and journey here in the pet industry. Thank you. Thank you.